is no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. episode in a long time that we've done. We did one last week. No, I'm not talking about <laughs> we constantly put up content. I am saying there's never been an episode, there hasn't been an episode in a very long time that hasn't has made me nervous. Really? Like this episode is making me. What? How nervous? What kind of nervous? Like I'm about to go on an amusement ride nervous or about our or our careers are about to be over nervous? No, 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 no. We don't play those landmine games with our comedy careers as much anymore. The this I feel genuinely nervous about the subject matter. Yeah. Uh, and about broaching this topic because it is very intense and it's very real. Okay. And you don't want to piss these people off. This I this is one of the scariest topics to me we have covered in quite a long time. Ooh, I'm excited to get into it. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is the last podcast on the left. I am Ben with Henry and Marcus. I have really... I am extremely interested for today's episode because you all have been talking about this like someone like a father who finally got his child the Christmas gift he knows the child wanted. And I'm like, what is in the box? What's in the box? No, when my father finally wrestled the Ghostbusters home from a woman that he saw the the back loading dock at the Toys R Us when he wrestled it from her hands. That when is, he handed no, it to that me, is the he was never of, proud. That he is, literally <laughs> looked at me with a scent of resignment like he was trapped, like he was put into a cage, and the only thing that could filter his eyesight ever again was sweet, sweet, luscious booze. Once again, you're confusing your childhood for the movie Jingle All the Way. That is the premise of Jingle All the Way that never happened. All right, well, speaking of something that definitely did happen, today's topic, the man's name is Adolfo Constanzo, and I'm pretty excited about it. Adolfo Constanzo was a Cuban-American serial killer who either participated in or directed the deaths of at least 20 people in Mexico in the 80s. And all of this was done while Adolfo was leading a cult dubbed Narco Satanicos by the Mexican media, even though Satan had nothing to do with it. He's got nothing to do with it. When you say directed, <laughs> did somebody come with a camera and like click like scene one and then they like beheaded somebody? What do you mean directed? No. Uh, go rip that person to shreds with your bare hands. He executive produced it. Ah, <laughs> I see. And also, for those of you that are immediately questioning, yes, Adolfo, you can't. It is the Spanish version of the name Adolf, oh. which, according mm-hmm. to obabynames.com, Adolf, which is still <laughs> in there, it says origins Italian, oh. which is interesting, and it says um, characteristics are authoritative, powerful, tough, tenacious, wealthy, problem solver. An achiever. Well, they forgot Nazi, <laughs> uh, but that's interesting. Okay, seem to be positive attributes if you want to take over the world. Well, instead of believers in Satan, Constanzo led a group of outsiders and drug traffickers that believed in the power of the magic that one could gain from secretive Afro-Cuban religions such as Santeria and Palo. Specifically, this cult believed in the power of brutal human sacrifice as a way to tap into the otherworldly power of the dead, who would then in turn protect the cult's relatively small drug cartel. We're talking working 
human sacrifice rituals okay. that happened full on. Like it's not this is not satanic panic. This is not uh, a bunch of like you know what happened with the West Memphis Three. Right. This is not taking an unusual crime scene and making it into some form of human sacrifice and saying it, putting a label on it, like it's quote unquote shadowy cult activity. Sure, this shit's the real deal, and they really believe that it worked. And there are some people that say that there is concrete proof that this shit works, specifically okay. Paulo Mayombe and the powers that it has within, which is why its most inner workings are still to this day completely secret. Damn. Now, of course, the Afro-Cuban religions that Adolfo and his followers tapped into are not in and of themselves evil, just as a hammer or a screwdriver is not innately evil. Not innately evil. Well, if you try to, I mean, honestly, a hammer and a screwdriver are the two most annoying things to have because they don't work together. Have you ever seen, <laughs> uh, Marcus, did you ever see the short Pixar? It was uh, Adolf the Screwdriver, where the screwdriver, <laughs> he made all of these nails go into these big, like, rounded up camps. Right. And right. slowly but surely, they were, they made giant crucifixes. Where they <laughs> horrible, horrible. Screwdriver or a hammer, home invasion, what you grabbing first? Hammer. Hammer. Yeah. But what about a good screwdriver through the eye? If you use a hammer to bash in a skull or use a screwdriver to gouge an eye, the context of the object changes significantly. Yes, it does. Now, when it comes to what type of serial killer Adolfo Constanzo was, he still, at the end of the day, killed for power, like almost all serial killers do. But while many serial killers kill simply to exert power over other human beings, Constanzo was playing an entirely different game. Sorry. He was playing sorry? <laughs> well, it would be yeah, but nice. But you know what's sad is he never did say I'm sorry. Oh, that's not right. His was still a game of power, but it flowed both inward and outward. Inwardly, killing made him feel powerful and therefore more confident in his actions, hmm. both as a magician and as a fairly successful drug trafficker. Outwardly, the brutal nature of the killings exerted power over his followers because he created an environment where if a member didn't join in on dismembering a victim, that member was likely to find themselves on the ritual slab next. Yep. Remember well, that employees of the LPN. Yeah. You <laughs> want to remember You have to remember that because if you don't join in the human sacrifice ritual, once the podcasting gets to the human sacrifice ritual part, sure. of the, I'm saying two years, right. once we're like actively a, doing it just to keep our numbers up, just know rational, that everyone's going to have to be involved. You the numbers would go up if we had human sacrifice. Uh, you know, the way things are going. Yeah. Cut off a little toe. Just get into it. I no, mean, just there's a bunch of people. Thing, if you're a bunch, I mean, honestly, that's we're, it's like the Spotify like quarterly meetings where all yeah. you have to do is if you put the proper like clip art into the, yeah. the like the sli- whatever the slide project is that we got to fucking look at where our eyes glaze over. You're hired. They, you're hired. <laughs> that's your job. Where technically, Travis, all you have to do is just kind of just shave a little toe off, <laughs> shave a little and keep toe off. Shut. Well, if the if the, uh, if the anarchist from Big Lebowski could do it, uh, anyone can do it. Nihilist. Nihilist. Absolutely. What Adolfo Constanzo is, is what Square America thought Charles Manson was, except Adolfo Constanzo is that times a hundred. But there is an important difference between Constanzo and someone like little Charlie. Manson was just making shit up as he went along, cobbling together bullshit from the Bible, the Beatles, and Scientology. It was scatting. Okay. <laughs> Everything's useful in improv. I agree with that. That's on your tool belt. 
Constanzo, however, believed in established magical rituals with a religious certainty that could rival the Pope's own. Paolo Mayombe is a fully developed religion that he is using effectively. It, right. to me, is the same as a Catholic cult, where it is, he's, it's not a hodgepodge of other bullshits like what we saw with Heaven's Gate, even Om Shinrikyo, like the, the idea of like patching together a mythos. He had one, and he used it to a high effectiveness rate, where he mm. a lot of people believed that what he did was really working, and it had been working since he was a little boy. So he, there were some lower-level drug dealers that were accused of pedophilia, found guilty, and they would just move them around Mexico. And they would just say, now you go, you're a drug dealer now in Cancun. And they actually moved them to better spots? Is that what you mean when you say the Pope of drug cartel leaders? We'll get into that later. We'll get okay. into that later. Well, that belief that the cult had, that made them one of the most dangerous cults in history. In fact, Adolfo Constanzo and his cult could loosely be compared to the Nazi Einsatzgruppen, Hitler's roving band of serial killers who were responsible for almost 200,000 murders during World War II. Because these weren't like unhappy nerds or like weird strung out California vegans like this is not a cult made of like necessarily like victims to me this is a cult made of other serial killers so Adolfo Uh. Constanzo became the head serial killer of a group of very very violent men it's like if Jonestown happened but everybody brought their own guns it is interesting (laughs) that you make a uh, tangential relationship between California vegans and cult members uh, I don't know. I think some people are just trying to get their health back. Look at Penn from Penn and Teller. Look at him. He's, I he, hate skinny Penn. I know. I do like him a little chubbier, but he seems happy, doesn't he? He, he doesn't. He seems very grumpy. Well, he is grumpy. Well, he was grumpy when he was bigger. I it's know. hard when everything is wrong. <laughs> but where the Nazis were fueled by hate, the members of Constanzo's cult were driven by something different entirely. While they believed in the magic with every fiber of their being, they were still drug traffickers. Mm. And like everyone of their ilk, they were driven mostly by greed. That's because at the end of the day, these Afro-Cuban religions are not overly concerned with an afterlife, or at least an afterlife is not the point. Rather, it's all about the here and now, getting help on the earthly plane, which means some use it for good, while others can use it for evil. It's also highly huh. organized, much like right-hand path magic. There's a lot of steps, and there's a lot of stuff that takes apprenticeship, apprenticeships to understand, and years of study, and years of practice to memorize the various rituals, to memorize the the, the various, like, because you have to speak to certain entities on the other side. You have to, like Anakian magic, I'm not, I told Marcus I wouldn't bring it up. But you just did. <laughs> you did just bring it up. I, I, you didn't tell me you were going to, I asked you to not bring it up. I know. But then he just did, Marcus. I just did it. It's because the true term, it's necro Necromancy. They use necromancy quite a bit, but in, but to me, I think Anakian magic's more. Anakian magic is more on the money, but it's more boring. Where necromancy makes people go. Oh. I understand why you asked him not to bring it up, Marcus. Right hand path magic. That's also what Jeffrey Tubin was practicing when he was jerking off on Zoom. All right, it has to okay, is that the last Whoa. one? Is Whoa. that the last fucking one? Please make it the last one. Uh, no, I haven't gotten my response yet from, from Samantha B. So as soon as she responds and said, that's funny, that I'll stop. Cruising for a tubin with Ben Kissel. Yes. Where he just, it's him telling all the different ways he's masturbated in other situations I work. Uh, the, it's the idea of 
practical magic. Okay. Yes. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Yay. Of course. Hocus Pocus. Don't lo- watch that movie again. Hocus Pocus, by the way. Very good. We talked about practical magic, the movie. Yeah, we're talking about practical magic with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. No, I know, but I was thinking about Hocus Pocus because I would just watch that on TV the other day. It's very similar <laughs> in the sense that they're all witches. <laughs> It's similar in the sense that they're witches. All right, let's go on. How can I reach you, son? You're going to have to get a stepladder. <laughs> now, going by what Carolina was able to find for us in the actual Mexican press, the crimes of Adolfo Constanzo would never have come to light had he and his cult not made one grave mistake. They killed an American. Yeah. And they killed an American with connections at that. Well, it's interesting you mentioned how they don't believe in an afterlife. It seems strange that they would do human sacrifice. There was no there was no connection with some sort of afterlife, even though they were like just well, killing people. There is an afterlife, but they just don't give a shit about it. It's not the point. I see. Okay. They're way more interested in how they're living now and what they can get at. They, you know, like other unlike other religions, it's way more supportive of personal enjoyment. And, and, living and like the now. Living in the now. It's not mm. just preparing for the afterwards. But yes, there is a spiritual realm, which is why I talk about the Anakian world so much, is because it's this hierarchy of spirits and devils and all of these other entities on the other side that you kind of join into the tapestry of after you die. Well, you brought it up again. <laughs> but on the other hand, even besides you know them getting caught because they killed an American, Constanzo and his crew would have never been even caught for that crime had Constanzo not taken his followers' belief to such a height where they stupidly believed they were invincible, which, of course, was their belief system's only logical conclusion. But as we get to that part of the story, you'll see these people were genuinely convinced that they were invisible to the police. They believed that they couldn't be caught and they couldn't be held. And to see it be so certain... Right. Like, it really speaks to the power of Adolfo Constanzo in the room. Because that's the thing, is you got to see him live. Okay. <laughs> Over Zoom, he doesn't have the same, it's not the same grip. You really got to be in the room. Okay, sure. Now, a lot of this story might seem unbelievable, but Edward Humes, the author of our main source book called Buried Secrets, he put this story together based on the testimonies of both surviving cult members and Constanzo's own family, as well as extensive research into the Afro-Cuban religions that Adolfo Constanzo used for his own purposes. Okay. That said, Humes does admit to a little window dressing, and those former cult members are, after all, mostly psychopaths themselves. Yeah. But there's also no denying that there were mountains of forensic evidence that backed up most of their claims, as outrageous, bloody, and gruesome as they might be. So in this case, you don't consider the cult members to be victims of someone like a Jim Jones. You don't consider them to be what they're trying to say with the vow, where they were all convinced by Keith Raniere. These people were complicit in a way that most cult members aren't. Is that what you're saying? Well, they started as clients of Adolfo Constanzo. And then eventually Adolfo Constanzo worked his way up. Were they drug dealers and then they went in through that way? You'll, You'll hear the story. Okay. Yeah, you'll know this story. It's let's say it's about half and half. Okay, half and half. Yeah. Now, this practice of what we'd call zhuzhin the story is pretty common amongst true crime writers, especially in the era in which Buried Secrets was written. But in this case, in the case of Adolfo Constanzo, it does seem as if truth was indeed just as strange as fiction. Whoa! Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> I um, will say this, just so you know right now, this shit 
I, I don't think even the most hardened Reddit atheist with all the, who just has a Richard Dawkins tattoo would ever <laughs> imagine like, you know, because everyone wants to say this, this shit isn't real. You know, people want to blow this off. But Paolo Mayombe, the subject itself is so intense uh-huh. and so kind of it's a hot topic, Whoa. especially within the world of magic that you don't want to fuck with it. In any way, shape, or form. So we here at Last Podcast and Left are officially not fucking with it. Ooh. No matter what it is that we say. We, we are not, not fucking with it. Absolutely we not. We are attempting to understand it yes. as much as possible. Because I know it's legitimate. If you're a Polaro out there who's listening, call me. Because honestly, I got gophers. <laughs> and I you want thinking, them to get rid of your gophers. I've been thinking about maybe using some Palo Mayombe to get rid of my gophers. <laughs> Have you thought about putting your gophers in little church outfits? Because nobody likes to go to church and they're just going to leave. <laughs> Honestly, you sound like it's that's Natalie's for me. She wants to reform them and train them and have them be a part of our family. And I was just like, no, no, no. I think we have to kill them. No, gophers are super cute. Did you learn nothing from Caddyshack? <laughs> he destroyed the golf course. Who cares? So, without further ado, let's get into the story of Adolfo Constanzo, known to his followers as El Padrino. Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo was born in November of 1962 to a 15-year-old girl named Delia Aurora Gonzalez del Valle, who had escaped the Cuban Revolution to settle in the Little Havana section of Miami. Ooh, Miami, man. Ooh, I want to go back. That must have been a crazy time. Man, Early I, 60s Miami. The last Ooh. time we were in Miami, I just, you feel your hips yeah. going side to side. It's well, so fun down there. Of course. That's why I hit puberty again during J-Lo and Shakira's halftime performance yes indeed i love the salsa music i i was there it happened it it was incredible he became a boy again i know i really did did. it was amazing no it was it was enough of a scene where carolina like brought it up a few days ago like do you remember how ben acted during that (laughs) halftime show it was incredible it was incredible you're just going wowie wowie literally screaming at the tvs yeah in public Well, Adolfo ended up being the oldest of four children, but he would remain his mother's favorite for the rest of his life. A mama's boy who would still talk to his mother in a childish baby voice, even after becoming a dark wizard and drug trafficker who was responsible for almost two dozen murders. Well, no one wants to be heard doing either their speaking to their dog voice or speaking unless you publicly make a character of it like Kissel does for his Instagram stories. How do you speak to your dog? No, no, no. But I mean, like, but the the voice. The voice that you sometimes put on to speak to your mother, no one wants to hear that. What I, vo- don't I, I don't put on a I voice to talk to my mom. Yeah, I don't put on a voice. I talk to my mother like an adult. You think like this. You think that you do, <laughs> but ask people around you what it sounds like when you go, hi. Like, you have to change well, a little bit. just because you were so no. deeply traumatized from your childhood <laughs> Mind that games. you revert back to being a child. Maybe. Yeah, I go, hey, mom. Yeah, you, you talk to your mom like they're adults. <laughs> no, you got to bark at her like a dog, but sometimes you got to fucking bribe her like a senator. I do want to know what's inside of your brain. Just getting the mommy issues. Unbelievable. Now, from Cuba, Delia had brought a deep belief in a secretive Afro-Cuban religion called Palo Mayombe. Similar to Santeria in its practice, Palo Mayombe is among the darkest and most mysterious of Caribbean folk magics. Ooh. As far as where those religions come from, Santeria and Palo Mayombe, their origins were in and of themselves dark, 
when members of African tribes were taken to Cuba, they brought many of their gods with them, and eventually those gods were mashed up with the Christian iconography that was forced upon them in captivity. There's a concept called eminence that I was reading about in this very interesting essay talking about the creations of one of the most secretive parts of the Palo Mayombe uh, re, uh, worshiping service, which is a thing called an Nganga, which we're going to get into. Hmm. But the one thing they talk about is this concept of eminence, which is they believe their gods physically travel with them. So when they come with these icons, their gods are literally, that is their god, impersonated mm. in these little, in items. They, they make them physical. They physicalize them. So they are a constant presence. They are around them. They're in their, their physical homes and they can look at them. They speak directly to these spirit gods. Now what they did is when they showed up here, when they showed up here, when we fucking forcefully dragged them here, they came and they had to hide it. So what they understood, which was what things like chaos magic borrows nowadays, is that you can put a a cover, like a cover, like an identity on top of your god. So you take these gods and then you attach them to similar Catholic icons and similar Catholic sure. saints and all these other things that fit within the Christian iconography so that it can be hidden under the surface. And mm, then you know, sense. you're it's literally secret schools thinking. Yeah. You know that you're thinking an allegory, but they think that you're just doing a normal like Sunday church service. Interesting. Okay. Also, can you imagine what that great Caribbean potluck would be? <laughs> oh, I don't want to. Oh, oh, my God. Mm. I had evangelical Midwestern potluck. A lot of Ugh. cheese, I mean, a lot of meat. It was fries. fine. Fish fries are good. <laughs> but my God, some good Caribbean potluck. Woo. Well, the most well-known of these religions is Santeria, which is a combination of Catholicism and the beliefs of the Yoruba tribe of Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Polytheistic in its belief structure, Santeria calls upon a pantheon of deities called Orishas. Each Orisha has a power over all forces of nature and all undertakings of man, like Elegua, the trickster who controlled the roads, or Chango the warrior, who controlled lightning, thunder, and fire. You know, I really wish that the trickster didn't control the the roads. It would make everything so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Can we just get, like, the steady hand or, like, well, the person who knows concrete? Like, isn't there some entity better than the trickster to control the roads? Well, it's because they transverse between different states, Kissel. I'm going to see if you can... Well, you know there's two seasons in Wisconsin. Summer and... Winter and construction season. Come on, buddy. Come on now. Come on now. But the... According to the trickster and the paranormal, the reason why the trickster gods are oftentimes associated with travel is because they move back and forth between different layers of consciousness. So they believe that their traveling represents being, that's why they become gods of the road, like things like Hermes, which is traditionally, um, they are, even though Hermes was one of the more responsible of the trickster gods, he was one that is kind of like labeled as one because they teach you lessons while also making you laugh. They're the first edutainment. Well, I don't. I would prefer a steadier hand when it comes to the roads, but okay. Well, each god had different powers, and each god required a different animal sacrifice. And after each blood offering, the corpse of the animal would be sprinkled with salt or honey and laid before the image of the god that you were petitioning for your own purpose. At Santeria, or at least a terribly simplified it version of it. It is terribly simplified because there is, it is... 
the one thing about all of these religions is that it takes intense apprenticeship. Yeah. And you have to be chosen from birth. And a lot of these things, anything that you'd see, according to every Palo Mayombe website I read, they're all like, anything you learn from a website is fake. And I'm like, well, <laughs> right. why am I reading Thank this? You. How did I get here? But there, anything that you see that says, oh, this is an initiation ritual, they believe, honestly, that most of that is probably staged for white people to come go look at. But right. for the most part, they, this shit is on lockdown. The actual, like, day-to-day, the, the, the granular details about how to perform these rituals are hidden from outside of their inner community. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna like figure out how to fucking do Palo Mayombe from listening to this stupid fucking podcast. Well, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the way that that some websites will troll you for going to them. Like I went to like how to become a serial killer, how to get away with murder, which is mostly just about that TV show. But then you find our actual articles. What? And then so there'll be like one like they don't kill anyone you know all that. What? And the last point that they always make is don't search how to get away with murder, you idiot. And I was just like, well, I'm just doing this for fun to research how to get away with murder. Um, I don't want to murder, but it's like you didn't have to be make fun of me like that. I'm so I'm so scared. Like you, you just said, how to get away like, with murder? You just like brutally. No, I watched uh, true crime shows. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I searched it on the internet. No, when you type in how to get away with murder, that's the thing that comes up in the trial. You that's literally what comes up. Asshole, that's exactly what I'm saying. They're trolling me. <laughs> you're trying to say you're playing 4D chess with your with after once you're I, arrested oh for whatever bodies you're hiding. <laughs> I was just saying I don't want to be trolled by the website. I know I'm not actually going to murder anyone. Don't tell me I'm not going to get away with murder because I searched I'm, how to get away with murder. How are you going to get rid of a body? You have two phones right now. One is broken. You can't seem to get rid of one of them. You, you have two of them that you are keeping for some reason, even though the information is easily transferable from the old one to the new one. Ocean. <laughs> you get rid of a body in the middle of the freaking ocean. Yeah, but how are you going to get the boat? How are you getting the boat? Uh, you, you got the cameras going. <laughs> did you do you take an Uber? First of all, it's in your app because it's no, you, you don't bring your phones with to you. The fucking, you have to go to the fucking. Oh my where god, the we've boat got to on. get back to this story. But no, I, I, we'll talk about it on side stories. Never yeah. bring your phones with you. Go to the middle of the ocean, drop off the body, and be like, "There's what? so many other things that the receipt." For I'm putting my hand up. We got to get back to the story. You right. guys could. Do- <laughs> Get it back to the story. Now, while Adolfo Constanzo's story does touch on Santerian rituals here and there, it mostly had to do with Santeria's much darker, much older cousin. See, the Nigerian tribes were not the first taken to Cuba. Long before they arrived, the enslaved people of Cuba came from the Congo. Their religion was known as Bakongo, and over hundreds of years of evolution, it became what is today known as as Palo. Palo in Spanish translates very literally to stick. Now where Santeria draws its power from a pantheon of deities, Palo contends that all natural objects, particularly sticks, are infused with power that adherents can draw upon for their own purpose. One way I heard it was described was that uh, sticks are a way that spirits can travel. And that's why it sticks out top of the top of the Nganga. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Is stick like a tree stick? Like yeah, a branch? Yeah, like oh, a branch. Okay. Yeah, like a branch. And there and there are definitely like deities involved in Apollo, but unlike Santeria, like there's one main deity deity up top, like there's a creator god, mm-hmm. uh, and then a lot of gods underneath, but those gods don't necessarily have as much power as the creator god does, whereas in Santeria, it's more of like an equal split of power. Okay. But like most religions... Apollo has different denominations, and the flavor practiced by Adolfo Constanzo, known as Palo Mayombe, focuses on drawing power directly from the natural process of death 
and the dead themselves. Yeah, dog. Now, practitioners of Palo Mayombe believe that the true power in their own personal universe lies in a black cauldron called an inganga, which author Edward Humes so eloquently described as a miniature magical universe of rot, decay, and death. It's literally a parfait of black magic. You have this, you mm. get the, this cauldron together, the Nganga, and it actually begins a life of its own. They believe that the Nganga lives. And the reason why we're covering this so much in detail is because how important this religion is to Adolfo Constanzo and understanding the workings of the cult and what happens and how this actually ties into how he was fucking caught. Because this Nganga, it depends on your level of commitment to Palo Mayombe. Like, are, you, are we committed? Like, are you fully I'm in? 80% in. <laughs> You might not even need that. Honestly, might even be too little. You got to be like ninety five percent into building Nganga because an Nganga becomes a living being that you have to feed every day. What what do you feed it? You'll see. Oh my god! Stuffed with things like blood, animal remains, spices, coins, bones, scorpions, and spiders. And Nganga's main focus of natural power is the twenty eight sacred sticks thrust down into the middle of the goop. Jeez, it sounds like the boo box that Uday Kusei used to put the Iraqi soccer team in if they lost. It yeah. is. But Ugh. this one is like you could get a lot more out of it, not just screams. Uh. <laughs> but it's highly complex. Yeah. That's what I think is interesting is how how thoroughly layered the, these all of these levels are. Yeah, it's not just a random slurry. Like, everything behind an Nganga has intention and purpose. Okay. This essay I read, like, if you want to go look it up, it's a very interesting uh, breakdown of this whole, of this topic, which is an essay called Making an Nganga, Begetting a God, Materiality and Belief in the Afro-Cuban Religion of Palo Monte, which is written by Katerina Katerevsky. Um, and, but this basically describes how the Nganga is d- divided into three levels that are highly secretive like but it's very organized it starts mm-hmm. at one bottom level with a bunch of sigils and what basically what the nganga is going to be for mm. and then you fill it with what's called the the middle area which is limbs with which it is to act which is what they called senses which is with it it is to feel which you'll explain as you put things into the nganga you're creating a personality it's like a living physical tulpa that will do what you want it to do but it has to have the tools that that's all, all of these sticks and bones and blood and matter in it it gives it different properties and then the top level is as the nganga wants to be seen which is where the palos are incredibly important because they're like little like like fucking communication fucking tubes yeah. like Literally, it's how the spirits go in and out. It's like straws. Yeah. Nganga, give me my smokes. <laughs> can you do that? <laughs> or you can. Work? You can do that. Yes, but a lot of times you got to smoke on it first. Yeah. You got to oh. blow a bunch of smoke on oh, it. I see. I see. Okay. Now, as more ingredients are added to the Nganga and more spells are cast, i.e. the more time that passes, the rotting material inside the cauldron produces an unearthly stench because there's remains in there there's blood in there there's sometimes feces in there it's full of shit and blood and guts it's in in a lot of calm oh my god it sounds like a cell in solitary but that was the point because the worse an nganga smells the more powerful it is well, no one ever tells me this about my bathroom. Uh, no, I'm sitting in your Nganga right now, and it is brutal. No, that's a blessing. 
but it's interesting because I started looking, when you look up Paolo Mayombe, right? You go to YouTube. I looked up Paolo Mayombe. Half of it is people in like ATF uniforms going through a Paolo Mayombe site, which is, it looks like it's set decorated for a Halloween movie. It looks yeah. really, really scary. You got the Ngongo with the sticks cane out of it, all sorts of paraphernalia everywhere, like weird little childlike dolls and like Ugh. bloody machetes and dog skulls and, and human remains, all this stuff. Jeez. And you see these guys just like ripping through this shit, just going like, my God, can you believe? But then you, the other half is YouTube huh. videos of, of Tatas and Poleros, like the priests of Palo Mayombe being like, we're trying not to be too scary anymore. And <laughs> like, we're trying to be more acceptable. Because Sounds scary. As you whip through these sites, you realize like it looks like this mess, like this kind of like this pile of like wicked looking shit. But then you start to research it and you're like, Oh, this is highly organized. Mm-hmm. This was meant to look like this. Sounds like, like these ATF agents are just, uh, they're, they're cruising for a haunting. Uh, Don't go yeah. in there and mess around too much. Well, there's a lot of people that say, if you read the comments, that people will say, oh, look, these guys are bringing curses down upon them. But actually, a lot of people say, unfortunately, it's more that the priest is going to be punished because he left his Nganga behind. Yeah. Oh, dang. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. 
Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Well, as far as the animal remains placed inside, values were assigned to the type of animals included. Goats worth more than a chicken, cows worth more than a goat, and so on and so forth. But the logical conclusion of all this is that human is the most powerful ingredient of all. Oh my God. According to this essay, that's the one thing, is that you're never supposed to feed human blood to an unganga because it's muy caliente. That's the term that it was used. They said it's too hot because if you put it in, the unganga becomes addicted to human blood. No! And then you have to feed it human blood, and if not, it starts to punish you. It is straight up the tulpa from Hellraiser, I believe, three. Yes. 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 Yeah, the the big statue. human blood, yes, of course. That's fucking cool. It was, yeah. oh God, I love, I love, Hell, I love Hellraiser 3. Great. However, one need not kill another person in order to do this. Instead, some practitioners of Paula Mayombe have gained reputations as grave robbers. Because at least four Paula Mayombe wizards, known as Paleros, have been arrested for that very crime in recent years. Doesn't seem like the worst of their crimes. <laughs> doesn't really but also well, isn't aren't, there's no blood in the bodies of someone in a grave are well, there is this there? is a well, part of the process it, the blood is mostly like chicken blood oh yeah. i see okay. it's a lot of animal blood most that's why we view it as intense because we have a different attachment to animals in america especially those of us that are not rural americans like i view a uh you know you know nat and i we have a dog child that is not an other people leave their dogs outside or they'll do stuff being like, I'll just get another dog. If that dog gets turned and gets hit by a threshing that's machine, bad. Yeah, but that's how, you know, people view animals where this is one of those things where animal sacrifice is just a, an inherent part of their religion. Maybe mm-hmm. this is what Sarah Palin was practicing when she gave that speech as the turkey was being beheaded behind her, <laughs> which was one of the most amazing political speeches of all time. Well, here's some examples of that grave robin. In 1995, Apollo Mayombe Palero in Miami was arrested for possession of several human skulls. In 2002, another Palero was discovered in Newark, New Jersey, with at least two dead bodies inside Ngangas in his basement. Did he work for a construction company? Why do I feel like it matters less that it was in Newark? Yeah. <laughs> like, how authentic could it really be? Well, the thing is, is that you just have a guy feeding them bodies because he's working in the quote-unquote, you know, the waste management I, you know, I got a truck and I got a guy and I got a place where trucks go. And then sometimes a guy who's got a thing, he kind of goes off to a little vacation and he's got to go over to my buddy Polaro. 
crazy name on this guy. <laughs> crazy name. You make fun of the waste management people, the most powerful union in the world. Yep. And most recently, in 2015, a Palero was arrested in Connecticut for stealing bones from a mausoleum in Massachusetts. That was just five years ago. But when it comes to humans, these Paleros aren't just drawing power from dead bodies. Taken further, some also believe they can control a dead body spirit through ritual, although that process requires far more than just bones. This is where the necromancy comes in. In the darkest, most secretive corners of Palo Mayambe belief, practitioners mix the skull and the brains of the freshly dead into their nganga. And if the ritual is successfully done, they can then send that dead spirit out into the world to wreak havoc on others. We call it making human guacamole. <laughs> That's what it does sound like. It really does. You but gotta you, muddle it. But you also use it, it can make you money. It can heal the sick because that's what the, the idea of real necromancy is, is that you harness the intelligence of a human that you fill and embody with a god or spirit's intelligence. But you have mm-hmm. to have their permission. And sometimes they say no. Yeah. Uh, but then you can't do it then. Yeah. It's true. But then, but then they're dead. So maybe they still do do it. No, they have the dead have rights. Oh, I yeah. hope so. Okay. Now, again, the vast majority of Santeria and Palomayombe practitioners do not use their religion for evil purpose, just as the vast majority of Catholic priests are not, despite both of your constant accusations, pedophiles. They just sometimes they're drunks. <laughs> Wait a second. What in the world did you just say? I said the vast majority of Catholic priests are not pedophiles, despite both of your constant accusations. <sighs> Why do they have the little collars then? Yeah. Why do they all? Why do they have the little boy haircuts? The are not pedophiles. I don't know. Okay, can we compromise and say the the majority? <laughs> no. We'll just go with set at fifty one forty nine. We just have to confirm them. Uh, yeah. no. <laughs> but when you get down to it, Palo Mayombe is still a religion, and every religion has the potential to be abused when it's in the hands of a cult leader. Just like Jim Jones killed oh, almost a thousand people using Christianity. It's the same shit. And all he literally started just getting electricity for people and feeding them. The Jim Jones story is so sad because he could have been a great guy. Yep. And when it came to Adolfo Constanzo, it just so happened that the Palo Mayombe wizard that his mother Delia followed was among the darkest practitioners in Miami who truly believed that the path to power was paved with evil deeds. How can you have such a dark religion in such a vibrant, colorful place as Miami? I think it's (laughs) because it's so exciting. It's so hot. Yeah, that's true. Maybe there's something to it and you kind of feel more evil. Yeah. Okay, I'll give it to you. It's just all the open shirts and all the temptation and all the maduros. <laughs> and then people are eating all the good food and all the music. And, oh, you just want to just take off your clothes and just spin and spin and spin. You're making me sad. I miss Florida. So when Adolfo was just six months old, his mother brought him to this mysterious Haitian palero who held the child and blew thick cigar smoke all around its body. Whoa. The palero then scrutinized little Adolfo and proclaimed him to be the chosen one, destined for greatness and power. The Palero then declared that he would be the child's teacher, his padrino. And once Adolfo was old enough to understand what was going on, the lessons began. In one of the earliest tutorials, Adolfo's padrino used a little doll as a teaching aid. Adolfo was what, like six at this point? Six or seven? He started right out 
the cooch. As soon as he mm. was delivered, they decided to start raising him as a Polero. And so he um, immediately kind of had this otherworldliness to him. But it is interesting that they still have to Mr. Wizard it a little bit. Like yeah. you have to <laughs> right. figure out how to teach a child how to be a, a magician. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the Rainmaker from Looper. Sounds very dangerous. Was there anything in particular special about him as a baby other than his mom who I, I guess... Know. How can how can a baby be special? Huge Babies dick. are special. <laughs> <laughs> the baby's born with like a four-inch dick right up top. Oh my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now since Santeria and Paolo Mayombe are not mutually exclusive, the old wizard used both in teaching young Adolfo. One day... He held up a small rag doll made of black cloth and told young Adolfo to imagine that the doll was his most hated enemy. <gasps> and a six years old? Yeah. <laughs> Who honestly, what would be a six year old's most hated enemy? Somebody I mean, who stole his peanut butter in kindergarten? <laughs> I hated Big Bird as a little kid. Really? I hated Big soulless. Bird. Soulless. Yeah, I just didn't like soulless. it. I thought he was boring. I thought he was weak. <laughs> Mr. Rogers also you didn't like. You have no soul. I like him now. But then I you were supposed he, to like him when the lessons actually mattered, so you could have had, so you could have been better the the last thirty three years. Whatever, I like <laughs> things getting their heads split open. <laughs> then the Polero doused the doll in the blood of a freshly killed rooster and told Adolfo to bury the doll in a cemetery while making an offering to Ogun, the god of iron. And if Adolfo did it correctly, then the god of iron would cause a car accident <gasps> and kill Adolfo's enemy. Yeah, what? Dog. Yeah, dog. And then he would taught you... a child how to murder another child through That's magic. That's so who, fucking okay, cool. Honestly, what, do we know what the enemy did? <laughs> yeah, he was fucking Big Bird talking in that stupid voice. I just don't understand. Teaching me about so... letters. I know about letters. I learned to read early. So you're sitting here and you're babbling at me and you got a fucking, a fucking imaginary elephant you speak to all day. And then can you imagine the puppeteer? For Big Bird just driving a fucking to work that day and getting a fucking getting T-bone and yeah, fucking murder. But the murder. six-year-old doesn't know it's a puppet. They just think they're killing Big Bird. You're killing a person. Yep. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Not really because somebody else can be Big Bird. Whoa. Yeah. You didn't kill the idea. You killed an actor. Oh, my God. I can't kill an idea. You, kill, you really can't. I shut down the whole network. I got to make enough money to buy the whole network and shut it down. Great idea. Now, baked into Santeria and Palamayambe is secrecy. And as it goes with most things like this, that secrecy was born out of necessity. See, back when they were religions practiced by the enslaved people of the Caribbean, a person could and almost certainly would be killed by their Christian overlords if they were caught practicing anything besides Christianity. In other words, Santeria and Paulo were practiced in secret and passed down in secret. And that's how Adolfo Constanzo's padrino passed it down to him. I do believe that the secrecy gives it more power. Yeah. Like, it's why the secret scrolls worked, because it all works on allegory. And so you're already thinking in a layer below the layer of reality. So you start getting you more interested in the concept of as above, so below and understanding the idea of changing your inner mind and it will change reality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that does, it really does change reality when you change your perspective, doesn't it? And also sometimes just sucking a bunch of dicks. Well, that will will change your reality for the time being anyway. That's what he learned. Yeah. 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 Their other secret was bisexuality because Padrino and Adolfo would regularly engage in sex amidst the blood and rot of their rituals. And Adolfo would continue to be bisexual for the rest of his life. In fact, it plays a very important part in this story. 
But wasn't Adolfo six, six years uh, old here? They, they did. It was like a, a full, like, teenager type thing as well. It was yeah. wrong. Yeah. Was I mean, he, he was life. an evil wizard. He was an evil wizard. An he, evil wizard. He okay. was being molested by an evil wizard. Well, it sounds like that. Yeah. But then <laughs> it's like he sort of, like, got used to it. Hmm. All right. Well, I thought you said it. we were going to avoid problematic landmines uh, in order to ensure our comedic career is still thrive. But okay, let's just jump right into that then. Great. But magic and sex weren't the only things introduced to Adolfo by his padrino. And Green Day. Oh, isn't that nice? Well, the padrino also passed down a way of making money that Adolfo would later make the driving force of his own cult. See, this Polero would, of course, do small-time rituals for the locals, cleansings and protections and whatnot. But his main gig was advising and protecting some of the biggest cocaine dealers in Miami through the practice of magic. How fucking dangerous is that shit? Think about that level of intensity where you decide that the easy way to make money (laughs) is that I'm going to be a cartel spiritual advisor. (laughs) You can imagine. You think a priest hears some crazy stories. You can just imagine the coke dealer who calls him frantic because the the supply is lost in the middle of the ocean and they're about to lose their head if they can't get it back. Oh yeah, dude. And then there's also to to me, there's something that speaks to the fact that they assumed that this was just a way to go. That they thought that like, oh, we'll just manipulate the cartels. It's what we do. It's very, it's, you're a dangerous person. Very dangerous. Now, for a nominal fee, the Palero would hold ceremonies to keep gang members from being arrested, keep drugs from being seized, and to choose the correct moment to transport product either over the border or to different cities throughout the United States. These guys are directing policy. They're telling drug dealers what to do. That's what we meant by saying the cartels Mm. were their clients. So they would pay them a la carte, where they would show up and say, we need this thing, and here's a fee. They had a direct fee for specific so rituals. Let, okay, so let's say I'm a drug dealer. I'm going, I got a bunch of, I got a, I got a kilo of cocaine. That's what, not even a lot. It's not even a lot. Uh, let's say I got a bunch of that. Sure. A um, bunch of kilos. Yes. When <laughs> should I travel? When should I, when should I get this over to San Diego? Let me look at my Google calendar. Yeah, but I thought you were supposed to be. <laughs> a, I got you're, not, you're supposed to be a sage. You're yeah, supposed to be like a yeah, spiritual yeah, advisor. Yeah, the first thing I'm going to have to do you're is check go my Google calendar. Google calendar. <laughs> because the main thing is that oh, Boxing Day. I'm actually off on Boxing That's Day. That's a European holiday. We don't even celebrate that here. Yeah, but thing is though, I'm looking to spend some time in Europe. What does that, what does that have to do with my kilos? Okay, what um, are you facing north? <laughs> we're going. We will be going west. Thursdays are always good because Thursdays are the new Fridays. <laughs> Thursday TGIF. All right. Thank God it's Thursday. That's the thing is that the Polero, they had no fear because they believed in what they were doing and they had no qualms whatsoever with assisting drug traffickers morally. But also think about the fact that that's a high stakes job. Huge. You don't deliver. Oh my you die. God. You get murdered. Yeah. And in both the Palero and Adolfo's later view, a non-believer, the guys that, you know, were doing all this drug dealing, doing all the trafficking, non-believers were lower than animals in their purview. And both Adolfo and his padrino delighted in profiting off the misery and addictions of others. Mm. Fuck them. We got our money. But these guys, they also practiced what they preached. Neither the Palero nor Adolfo would ever use drugs of any kind. 
Fucking Adolfo Constanzo was stone sober his entire life. And it was also essential to both of them that their followers stay sober as well at all times. Everyone was sober in this story. This is why I firmly believe everyone needs a dalliance with mushrooms, a little bit of acid. Everyone needs to drink every now and again when they're growing up. You don't have to all the time. You want to be very careful, but it really is important. Otherwise, you end up like CM Punk from WWE. And you know what? You're judgmental of other people's lives. Whoa. And when it came to Adolfo's padrino, Adolfo's mother was certainly one of those followers. And she practiced the darkest forms of this religion with all of the blood and rot that came with it. Imagine Richard Chase being a mother. That's it's Richard Every Chase. Every day I your, do that. Just he in a dress, <laughs> but just he, making breakfast. Also, this is your base reality. Yeah. Like I wanted to bring it back to just sort of like Adolfo Costanzo was a man. When he starts in this world, he believes that he number one is the chosen one. And number two, that he is a he is growing up into a legacy of black magic practitioners that also are con men. Yeah. Which start which is you can even say immediately, oh, if they're into anything like this, they're these start as con men but when you grow up thinking that this shit's fucking real and then they show you constantly they're either proving it despite whatever as evidence or purposefully showing you shit that says this shit works yeah. why would you think otherwise you're coming up in this world i mean like i am a black magician and my goal is to make money off the suffering of others but also increase my own power and that's the only thing i give a shit about is mm. figuring out ways for me to have more juju inside of my fucking muscles and god it just sounds so interesting doesn't it well it sounds like you're slipping hard again <laughs> uh, but that's okay but i'll never and, get it no we and, don't let you we don't let you yeah and these are also like there he's also being told the whole time that he's growing up he's being told by both his teacher and his mother anyone who does not believe in what we believe is lower than an animal they do not matter you can do whatever you want to them man, man. it just sounds so fucking similar to like a faction of people running the government. Could be. <laughs> Could be. Adolfo said that his first memory was, quote, the gurgling death rattle of a chicken's slit throat. Isn't that nice? And he remembered a constant stench of death and decay pervading his entire childhood. All of these Norwegian death metal fucking posers. Yeah, They have dude. no fucking clue. They're all raised in the suburbs. They don't know what it's like to fucking be at the razor's fucking edge, dude. <laughs> you're you're going to want to get some pass over the horns. You're going to want to get a few pine tree perfumes in that house. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stink it up a little bit, especially in the Miami heat. Yeah. yeah, man. The Miami yeah. sun baking your, oh, just baking mm-hmm. blood in your kitchen. Yeah, man. Oh. That's how sausage yeah. gets made. I know that. Well, according to what Adolfo told his followers, if Adolfo was a good little boy, his mother would reward him with an animal all of his own to mutilate and sacrifice. It's Leatherface. Yeah. This is the Sawyer family in, in freaking Miami. Yep. But this was all a part of their interpretation of Palo Mayombe. They believed that one must relish the stench of decomposing flesh because being comfortable with and even craving the smell was essential to controlling the dead. And in a practical way, the smell probably, I don't know, and this is just my own you know view of it, the smell probably focused them during the rituals. It puts oh, you in a sure, fucking sure. head space. Yeah. Senses, the smells are the most, it's one of the most powerful senses. 
It really is, though. It sets a tone and it puts you in the place where you need to you need to believe, first of all, that this shit's going to work yeah. for mm. it to have any hold on anybody else. So you kind of create an entire it's like putting on a VR helmet. Uh, but it, it's just but when fucking, you take it off, you're still covered in blood. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how many times have I taken off a VR helmet and just end up covered in blood? And you say, like, yeah. I feel like maybe there should be some sort of legal leeway here saying that I should not be responsible for the things and people that I hurt while inside of my own virtual world. There is a funny <laughs> YouTube hole. If you want to get into it, VR people reacting on VR, they smash their TVs yeah. and punch their friends <laughs> and shit. Uh, but it reminds me as well. When you go down to when I was in jail, what I had to talk about 23 hours in the tombs, the smell as soon as that hits your nose you're like oh it's not the bars and the and the guards that let me know i'm in jail it smells like jail it smells like bleach blood and piss and shit yay, yeah. yay. Yeah. And, but remember they have a very specific style of palo mayombe too most people don't view it as taking control over a dead person's entity most of the time they're trying to create a copacetic relationship they With want the like, corpse the inganga to them more often than anything else is like a wife or like a partner it's like somebody that you're supposed to keep happy and you're supposed to be on the good side of it. You're yeah. not yeah. supposed to be trying to in, in exact an authoritarian like power over this helper spirit. It's supposed to be like he's supposed to be as into it as you're into it. And that's yeah. why you you guys all know the classic bit. Take my Nganga, please take her. <laughs> kind of a funny joke if you think about it like a wife. You'll be punished spiritually and physically. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll get into how Adolfo Constanzo absolutely uh, adhered to that belief that the fucking that the spirit has to the Inkisi has to be uh, into it. But we'll get into that later. Okay. In an interview with author Edward Humes, Adolfo's mother also claimed that her son developed magical powers as a child, saying that he was capable of astral projection, ESP, and communication with the dead by the time he was a teenager. In fact, Adolfo claimed to have communicated with the spirit of Marilyn Monroe when he was 14, and she supposedly told him that she was murdered. Okay, well, uh, to be honest, all of us communicated with the spirit of Marilyn Monroe when we were 14. Did we not? <laughs> Hello. I want to say he was as gay as a as an old-timey carousel. I don't know. It seems like he was bisexual. Marilyn fits in. As a matter of fact, Marilyn is the perfect girlfriend for someone who is bisexual. Whoa. Absolutely mm. ideal. You can love her movies. You can still have boobies. <laughs> <laughs> well, Constanzo also had visions of the future, claiming that he'd predicted the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan at the hands of John Hinckley Jr. even before Reagan was elected president. Damn. Wait, did he predict that it would be Hinckley that did it? Because everyone thought Reagan was going to get shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just said he's going to get shot and he's going to survive. Yeah, that super annoying guy who just became president from California, the fucking actor. <laughs> he's going to get shot. What a smile, though. What a smile. Gorgeous. Now, as it happens with the most brutal and terrifying of serial killers, Adolfo had multiple teachers in criminality and immorality from a young age, and none, with the possible exception of his padrino, were as influential as his mother, Delia. She was essentially a grifter, convicted of grand theft, writing fraudulent checks, and child neglect, while also getting arrested for trespassing, armed assault, and shoplifting. Hmm. But since Delia had dozens of aliases, she was always tried as a first-time offender, and she stayed out of jail long-term, despite outstanding warrants, for the same reason. Heck of a lady. 
different times. She could always talk her way out of it. Well, you could just be back then. You could just be like, I'm Amelia Bedelia. And that is my name. Because it's the early. It's just incredible that you used to just be able to be like, name is Tom Selica. My name is Tom Selica. You could literally walk into like the cockpit of an airplane and put your hand on the shoulder of a pilot and being like, love what you do here. Doing great. Give him like a squeeze. Doing great. And that's how it used to be before 9-11. Really was. Delia was also a terrible neighbor, known to leave the headless corpses of chickens or the headless corpses of geese with their heads wrapped in a red handkerchief next to the body on a neighbor's doorstep after a simple fucking argument. An well, overreactor, a, you'd say. It's a, little, a little bit, but... A little dramatic. You come at Paolo, somebody that you come at a Polero. They often say they're not here to, to not fuck around. I was just asking you to turn your music down. I was watching this one dude. You come at me, I come at you ten times. Paolo Mayombe, it, it, it is an, it's offensive and defensive magic. So mm-hmm. a part of it is that they all said, I was watching this one dude. I don't dude. like you learning this. I, I physically can't go faster. But I, there was, I was watching an interview with the the... Paolo Mayombe to the stars guy. He's like this guy who does like various Afro-Cuban r- r- like r- rituals. Is he, uh, is he legit? He's in Burbank. Okay. <laughs> and his whole shit was being like, you fuck with me, I fuck with you. And then the, the, the main, because also he was being interviewed by a British dude, which always had, somehow they always warm in. It's the accent yeah. that makes people think that they can talk to him. And he's like, so tell me, have you ever dealt with any celebrity clients? And he's like, I cannot say, I cannot say. And he's like, oh, please tell me, tell me. He's like, there's uh-huh. got to be one you can say. And he's like, Tommy Lee did approach me to initiate him. And he did. He Big did a full, Tommy he did a full initiation right for Tommy Lee. Deep into power, my young Well, man. that is, I just feel so safe knowing Tommy Lee is trying to harness more power than his cock already gave him. <laughs> Odelia was also a nightmare of a tenant, leaving behind a trail of houses and apartments filled with splattered blood, animal and human excrement and remains, and a series of terrifying altars. It actually got so bad at one of her apartments that the cops were called on her in 1987, long after Adolfo left the nest. When police arrived, they found 27 animals in her apartment, hens, geese, goats, and roosters, all ready for sacrificial slaughter. Jeez. They also found, it, it's, I mean, it's like I said, I mean, this is like if Richard Chase, if Richard Chase was a mother, this is like if Richard Chase ran a fucking orphanage. Her children were covered in blood and excrement, and the apartment <sighs> was strewn with plates covered in blood amongst congealed pools of more blood. Fuck it yeah, sounds like shit. a very special episode of Hoarders. Yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely man, it's a lot like, of hazmat suits in this one. I love you. Yeah. Hoarders, colon, evil intent. Like, that would be so <laughs> Oh, fucking sweet. That would be cool. <laughs> but this, oh, but man. Is she... Okay. We always get into this bullshit where everybody says magic is not real and it doesn't work. But my question is, Delia kept getting away with it and then raised a Polero son that had the same... believed to have the same attributes and it was also getting away with crimes very early on. At what point do you not start saying, maybe she's got a point when she has not been punished for a single one of her crimes. She just keeps managing to just slide out. Like, she just managed to do something, which some people say is just the power of pure charisma, which we will begin to hold up deeper and deeper, 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 into a focus as we talk about Uh the story of Adolfo Gonzanzo. Or then what is just straight up the power of Paolo Mayombe? Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's horrible law enforcement. (laughs) 
It yeah. could be. For, yeah, for every one Delia, there are a thousand who do go to jail that try the same shit that she does. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, so far, but okay, so to, but to be fair, so so far she's committed petty crimes. No murder. No. No murder. Okay. And she just runs a horrible house and her children should probably uh, go somewhere safer. Yeah. She, it does sound like a witch's house. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah. No, the bedrooms were filled with garbage, feces, cash, and expensive fur coats gifted by the then adult Adolfo, as well as VHS copies of both the Jamie Lee Curtis horror flick Prom Night and oh. Animal House. Oh, wow. It does seem a little Animal housey though. Imagine that if they... I remember that when they cut the ritual sacrifice scene. Harold Ramis, he really didn't want to go there, I guess. He didn't want to, but everybody loves Bluto. Yeah. Oh, Bluto. Absolutely. Great movie. Fun. Now, in this way of living, Adolfo did not follow his mother's lead. For the rest of his life, he was actually obsessively neat and clean. He always dressed in white clothing, uh, except the only thing in his house that was not clean was the room where his Palo Mayumbe rituals were held. Well, that makes sense, of course. Yeah. So by 1983, oh Adolfo- John Landis, I'm sorry, John Landis directed <laughs> Animal House. See, I'm glad that we stopped. I just have to because somebody glad we got that. Well, yeah, you, yeah. Know they, the, the, no, you know I, how the audience I, judges no, and guess, they sit. No, in. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, it's John I, I'm, Landis. I'm, I'm happy to help save you from a fucking avalanche of avalanche well, of well actually. I, I just yeah. want people to be able to move on mentally so we can get back to the story because you know when someone's right, then they <laughs> every, think about it all the time. Every single time we have one of those simple mistakes, it's the only thing that people talk about yeah, after so hours and hours of working on the podcast. Yes, yes. So I just want to clarify. Yeah. So by 1983, Adolfo's padrino decided that it was time to make Adolfo a padrino himself. And a ritual was prepared that would bestow power to Adolfo over men's souls, as well as the ability to cast magical spells to protect him from evil and to do evil upon others. He's going to become a tax attorney. <laughs> no, of String course, him up. String yeah. him up. Whoa. Of course, this next part only involved Adolfo and the Padrino. It was a very private ritual. And we don't even know the Padrino's fucking name. So this tale comes to us third hand from what Adolfo told one of his cult members later, meaning that it may not have happened exactly as we're about to tell it. In fact, most of Adolfo's childhood comes from stories that he told to other people. But on the other hand, those stories did end up matching many of the traditions of Palo Mayambe. So... Well, there because, is some truth here. Hmm. The one thing I will say is that there is some truth here, but there's also a manage, I imagine, purposeful lies because the initiation rites into Palo Mayombe are incredibly secret. Mm-hmm. And a part of what wizards do is that they lie first and they put out a vision of the story of themselves first so that you get the legend. And then afterwards, you have to decide to parse through and decide what is real and what is fake. Absolutely powerful technique. And a lot of this stuff does seem uh, that like like a lot of the stuff from his childhood. It does seem like it could be kind of true because a lot of it does come from one of Adolfo's lovers, uh, this guy Omar. And Omar said that Adolfo would talk to him when they were in bed, and this was like kind of their pillow talk time. Oh, cool, very fun. I remember that when I was a child, and I could dip a hundred feet into the water and never have to come up for air. And I would fly to school. I had fun the childhood of Ben Kissel, the legend that is. <laughs> oh, this is you building your legend. Yes. Yeah. I can breathe underwater and I can fly in the sky. You've already spoken for thousands of hours online. So we all know almost every detail of your life. It's too late. I did not suckle that long. <laughs> Until at least nine. No, no, no. 
So in preparation for what was essentially a graduation ceremony, Adolfo took ritual baths and secret herbs and slept for seven nights under a sacred saba tree. He then buried white clothes in a fresh grave and left them there for three weeks, then dug them up and wore them around town, emanating the scent of death. Wasn't there some black metal dude that did that same thing? I believe that happened in Mayhem. Yeah, Mm -hmm. was that? And I know that 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 was Euronymous that did that. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. They are super into that. And also, uh, that's a Hell's Angels thing, too. Really? Which is really strange. But three weeks is very important. 21 is a very important number. Okay. Mm -hmm. And during all of these preparations, Adolfo gave daily thanks and offerings to Cadium Pembe, which was Adolfo's personal guiding spirit and Paulo Mayombe's version of the devil, the devourer of souls. Yes, yes, bring him to me, yes. And so when the ritual came, Adolfo's padrino blindfolded him and asked him if he was ready to fully accept Cadium Pembe and if he was ready for his soul to die. To this... Adolfo said, My soul is dead. I have no God. Then the Palero summoned dead souls in the ancient language of the Congolese, who had brought their gods to Cuba hundreds of years before, and he brushed Adolfo's body in the branches of the saba tree Adolfo had slept under. The Palero then took a chicken and ran it up and down Adolfo's body before slitting the chicken's throat above Adolfo's head. Ooh, it tickles, it tickles. That must have tickled, honestly. For a second. Yeah. Once Adolfo was suitably soaked in blood, the Polero took the knife, covered it in gunpowder, and held it over a fire, causing a small explosion. Whoa. Once the blade was hot enough, the wizard took it and carved Adolfo's shoulder with the scars of the padrino, a personal signature passed down from masters to apprentices. And in this case, it was a crosshatch of bows, arrows, and X's. Oh. Yeah, it's like Keith Raniere, but with flavor. Yeah, Yeah. and it seems like more consent. (laughs) The Polero then removed the blindfold and held the bloody knife in one hand and offered Adolfo a polished human tibia bone with the other. And once Adolfo accepted the gift, he was officially initiated as Apollo Mayombe Padrino. Man, for some reason in my mind, I imagine all of a sudden cut to he's in a satanic giant drum rig like he's fucking Neil Pert but for the fucking devil <laughs> sure. and he throws the bone up and it cycles in the air like 2001 and it comes back down he grabs it with the other hand and big revolving drum set just, in, just like one guy in the audience and this is the devil they're just going live fucking, this is one of the best fucking concerts I've ever fucking been to dude and what I'll tell you about man fucking Adolfo we don't chill about you dude you play for a thousand people the same as you play for just one that is incredible and that's why i'm a fan that's incredible that's the sign of a good performer right there yeah and it is then as a final decree the polero told adolfo that when he so chose adolfo could create his own nganga however the ability to one day have an nganga was not a marketable skill in the miami job market what? <laughs> yeah, man. That's why we got to go to vocational schools, guys. Yeah, get into car yeah. repair. Just for some context for the audience, are we talking teenager here? He's like, like he's seventeen. A, he's 18? seventeen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Adolfo was just struggling to survive. He was actually kind of a loser. Like he'd get bullied all the time. He couldn't hold a job to save mm. his life. He couldn't even be a good criminal. He tried shoplifting twice and got caught both times. That's actually hard to do to get caught back then. There were no cameras yeah. anywhere. He yeah. just was so, like, lanky and weird. I just think that, like, 
wizards are castable. So sure. in, a, in my mind, because he was such a powerful wizard, I think that there's a lot to saying that he was both a performer and a con man and why that led to his abilities to fucking be a super powerful figure in a cartel where mm. he kind of had a thing about him. He was noticeable. He was a straight, very like, starkingly kind of ha- handsome, like big eyes, like very tall, lanky, straight. He looks yeah, he like looks, an otherworldly looks, figure. Yeah, he looks like a TV actor. Yeah. Okay, a little Rasputin X, perhaps. A little Rasputin X. There's something about the package, because then he starts dressing in white all the time. And once you start getting a uniform and projecting a symbol of yourself out, there's more people being like, who's that guy? Absolutely. Oh, he's feeling gum? Well, there's a reason that <laughs> there's a reason that priests don't dress like surfer boys. I mean, costumes matter. Adolfo also began cruising the gay scene in Miami, seducing men and humiliating them. He also dated women, but never brought one home because he knew that no woman would ever be good enough for mommy's little boy in Delia's eyes. <laughs> Plus, there was also blood and feces and dead animals all over his mom's apartment. Yeah. Ah, Chicks yeah. don't dig it. No, I guess not. <laughs> Unless you find the right girl. I suppose so. Absolutely. Now, things were going okay in Miami. But as far as where Adolfo was going to permanently set up shop, he had some choices. Now, he traveled around with his mother quite a bit in his youth, and he'd gotten a flavor for a couple of different places. They'd lived in San Juan in Puerto Rico for a bit, and they traveled to Mexico City. And from what Adolfo can see, those places were much more receptive to his brand of magic than America was. Because if Americans want to follow a shit-obsessed mass murderer who believes in magic, we already got Brigham Young. Thank you very much. Oh, there we go. Oh, BYU. Solid football team, though. And so, feeling that he could truly blossom as a dark magician elsewhere, Adolfo picked up and moved to Mexico City, where he immediately made a name for himself as a magician who could make shit happen. Woo! Adolfo would gain power over people by reading them and supposedly revealing dark secret truths in the way that most psychics are able to do. But when his sometimes broad, sometimes specific predictions about his client's future started to come true time and time again, they'd come back for more. Because it's all about how do you feel. Yeah. You know, when you're sitting in there like, yeah, you're paying for this. I think most people pay for like psychic readings. And like I now stay away from fortune telling. I think it's bad business. I don't think you should worry about what's happening in the future because then you're also subtly framing it, aren't you? But don't Mm -hmm. you also, isn't there something innate if you're a fortune teller or you're a psychic, just the fact that someone is coming to you, it's not like everything is going great. So don't yes. you automatic, automatically no, be like, yeah. something's wrong with the marriage, because no one's in there when everything is fine. <laughs> You're correct. That is completely true. People yeah. come in there because they're dealing with problems. So you know at a base, Immediately. they're looking for solutions. But yeah. then it comes down to, you're given solutions, but you also got to package it. It's got to mm. have a little bit of flair. It's got to feel kind of fun. It's got to feel exciting and exotic when you go in there. And Adolfo Consanzo immediately understood, like, I got I to gotta have a thing. Right. Yeah. Once clients were in the second level, Adolfo would start with healing ceremonies and readings into the future. Pretty simple stuff. But once they were hooked, Adolfo would begin to reveal the true nature of the dark magic he was doing and the evil spirits he commanded. Now, at first, Adolfo, he was pretty much just making money. But it wasn't long before he began to gather disciples. The first being Omar Francisco Orea Ochoa. Nowadays, we just ask for Patreon money. Was he? <laughs> absolutely. And thank you so much for giving to our Patreon. We absolutely you. love you. Was he actively courting disciples? Or was this something that did just happen either subconsciously or just with the I his think, childhood training, I guess? It's hard to say, really. 
50-50. Because I like Jim Jones and all these other like they were they were like horny for they it. They were seeking it. Yeah. I think he I think he was letting it come as it was coming. I think for a while he was actively just trying to keep his head above water and he was trying to be a professional wizard. You know the kind of compromises you make when you just try to be a professional comedian. Extremely difficult. Sometimes you have to go on shows and hang out with people that you don't like and then all of a sudden that person has a large following. And and then then you, you have to pretend to that, like them for yeah, forever. Absolutely. <laughs> but he, you would have to deal with that kind of shit. So he like was just trying to make it. And then all of a sudden I think he probably started to see how like People were really into him. And then mm-hmm. what right. does a wizard want? A wizard wants like the ones that are really obsessed with power, which is why all the right hand path people always were like, never practice, only read. Was because there's that idea when you read all about the concept of the wizards become smug. Yeah. They believe that they're above human beings. Like people that believe that they are actual magical practitioners, they start to think that they can control and move people like puppets. So you just find right. someone who's willing essentially to simpery for you in this scenario and can just slide right in being like, okay, wow, all of a sudden I have a right-hand man. This is mm-hmm. one right here. And not only that, he sucks my dick. Whoa! It's like, this is this great, he's got, it's perfect. It yeah. really is. It's like Seth Rollins with Murphy. We talk about this in the WWE. He only has one follower. That's just a friend. You have to have more than 10. <laughs> <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash last pod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster because that's the key there work smarter not harder that's grammarly you know how many times it saves me from writing 
a long rambling one sentence email at four o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right. I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right. My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, Omar had a lifelong fascination with the occult, and when he was 15, a fortune teller told him that he would one day meet a powerful man who would alter his life and determine his destiny, and Omar needed to be ready and beware. Whoa, that's kind of hot. <laughs> a little yeah. bit, yeah. Now, strangely enough, many of Adolfo's first initiates were gay, as was Omar and his friend, Dr. Hindu, real name Jorge Montes, who was also a powerful local psychic. Honestly, okay. and things would have really changed if he, Dr. Hindu had really just come of age at a certain time, he would have been on SNL like that. But <laughs> times have just changed so much. It's just hard for Dr. Hindu to be like a good, like it doesn't yeah. appeal to a mass audience anymore. He may have had a controversial podcast in his past. I think they were going to fire him. <laughs> Well, in the summer of 1983, Omar and Dr. Hindu heard about a new magician in town with unbelievable power who also happened to be into dudes. And they're so, like, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, bro. That is a hell of a day. Five years old, Fuck yeah, dude. We're going to suck the guy's dick? Yeah, we are, man. We're going to get fucked by him, too. Hell yeah, bro. That's a fun-ass Friday. Yeah, man. Just yeah. a bunch of gay wizards having a fucking great afternoon. Hey, man. That sounds awesome to me. So Omar and Dr. Hindu went down to Adolfo for a reading. Hmm. According to Omar, Adolfo told him that he was about to fulfill a prophecy from his youth that an old woman had told him to be ready for this moment and had told him to beware. Can you imagine his eyes just like opening up and just seeing like this person come and being like, teach me Adolfo. I've been waiting for you. Oh my and goodness, then I've seen just, that video before. He now knows. <laughs> but then, you know, all your wizard nipples get hard <laughs> because you sit there because then you find your man he's gonna be so wizarded i'm gonna be able to fill his spiritual beehole oh. with so much power mm -hmm. alistair crowley 
Whoa. Yeah. But Adolfo followed that up by saying, there's no reason to be wary. Hmm. When Adolfo asked Omar, do you think I am correct in this? Omar surprised himself by blurting out that he'd been waiting for Adolfo. And with that, Omar was a believer until the end. That's it? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Jeez. Adolfo's very handsome. Yeah. And a doc, Dr. Hindu said, fuck, I'm in too. Count He's me in. too. I mean, <laughs> oh my God. Dr. Hindu's a follower. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once Dr. Hindu dropped the nickname and started going by plain old Jorge again, Adolfo welcomed him. Welcomed him in. So yeah, you can come on. Yeah. yeah like, unless his nurse was the cartoon Bumblebee from The Simpsons, I don't know why he had a comical name like Dr. Hindu. Because <laughs> if you not, had is, he, is he a luchador? Is he a pro wrestler? <laughs> he had to appear exotic in order yeah. to get clientele. Yeah, because remember he was Hindu? a local psychic. He was a local psychic as well. He had his own Honestly, thing going. It seems like cultural appropriation. Racism what? is yeah. really what I'm here to talk about. Well, well, I'll tell you what. Yes. He didn't go to eight years of fake doctor school to not be, to be called Mister Hindu. <laughs> <laughs> and so, with two followers, the cult of Adolfo Constanzo was born. Now, from the very beginning, Adolfo Constanzo knew how to run a cult. And maybe this helps to answer your question, Ben, about whether Adolfo wanted a cult or not, whether he yeah. was on the lookout for it. Jorge was already an established psychic, so he was tasked with spreading the word that there was a new, powerful man on the scene dressed all in white that could see a person's past, present, and future. He did the oh, old school version of what Kissel used to do with Uber drivers and grabbing the phone and subscribing to last podcast. And the last. It's <laughs> yeah, one, I still do it. It's one listener at a time, and that's all that matters. One at yep. a time, and uh, usually they don't know how to get it off of their phone. That's awesome. <laughs> Omar, on the other hand, was pegged immediately as a follower. He'd immediately fallen in love with Constanzo, but Adolfo already had a lover named Martin Quintana Rodriguez, who also acted as his bodyguard. So... Adolfo set the two of them against each other, <gasps> telling Omar that he would be Adolfo's female lover while Martin would be his male lover. Whoa. Well, so he wants them bickering. He wants them fighting. Yes. Isn't that yeah. intriguing when you think about leadership? Hmm. <laughs> he ordered them to dress as women or act as his servants or both. But if they objected or fought each other, Constanzo would savagely beat both of them. But he would also constantly put them in situations where they had no choice but to fight with each other. What is this? Some sort of bizarre, bizarro version of Joe Rogan's Fear Factor? No, this <laughs> what is sound, happening. This sounds like a Pedro Almodovar movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very spicy. Uh, but you know, I remember when we first brought Fernando on, and we snapped that. When I snapped that pool cue in half, and when Travis and Fernando fought, and then they fought until yeah. they they fought for hours until they embraced. I knew then that this is this is the employees. These are the people that will build LPN into the as, network as that HR, will carry into the future. SHR, I do have to clarify that satire. Uh, our employees, I believe they're treated well. I believe that they're happy. And we hope yeah. that they are. They love the fight. They love to they get don't their love blood to fight. As a matter of fact, I think because that we have boys most, don't go to war anymore. I actually don't like if we took our uh, if our if we took our employees versus another podcast employees. I don't know how well they do. Although I do think oh, that people no, underestimate they trash the true Travis, psychotic nature of the. People. You get it. I want to see that fight. That's what we got to do. That's we true. Set up Travis a sociopathy behind his eyes. That's true. <laughs> we have to set up a wrestling match between Travis and Stephen Ray Morse. I want to see it. That's the guy for Rogan. Okay. No, no, no. That's uh, that's our our friends. My favorite murder. Oh, okay. Great, great, great. 
Now, Constanzo's first home base was in the Zona Rosa area in Mexico City, known for its gay community, its psychics, and its nightlife. And with Jorge spreading the word, Constanzo soon had more followers. Now, at first, his prices were fairly modest. But once his reputation grew and his clients got richer, he found he could charge thousands of dollars per client because according to the people who paid him, he got results. It Damn. is interesting because we when we talk to those experts on Santa Muerte, again, British people that somehow come over here and fool everybody into thinking they're experts, but they are I experts. know what they do. But they said that they Santa Muerte is another version of this, of a dark uh, Afro-Caribbean religion that has now become, it's got 12 million followers. And they all say the same shit, that it works, that something happens, whether it's just your own frame of mind and you're looking to see that it works or this shit's actually showing up. I don't know what it is specifically about the power of these types of these rituals and how sometimes it just fucking, I don't know what the hell it is. I mean, I honestly think everyone is just a small nudge away from success. Maybe this is the little nudge they need. Oh, you being a Susan Orleans right now? (laughs) Susan Orleans? (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's it's not too different from, you know, a lot of other religions. Like, say, you know, if a Christian gets what they want, then they say it's, but oh, thank God, this, that's the power of prayer. And if they don't get what they want, then it's like, well, God is testing me. You know, and it's this kind of the same thing in these religions. Like, if they get what they want, then, oh, the ritual worked. And if they don't get what they want, then, oh, I didn't do it right. I didn't yeah. do the ritual right. Well, so it's, it's it's all pretty similar, you know. I guess the he's power of belief. The, yeah, <laughs> the the pa- belief does work. I will yep. say that belief yeah, does at, absolutely work, no matter what religion you uh, choose to ascribe to. Unless yeah, you're like a New the, York Knicks fan. <laughs> um, it's also kind of like the fucking stock market, which is the American religion. This is the idea. Uh, yeah, the stock market is literally global, all based upon global, uh, but it's based upon fucking our emotions. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. As soon as I figured that out, it made a lot more sense. Strangely enough, Weird. yeah. Well, each time that Constanzo got results and proved himself to be a powerful magician in a client's eyes, that client, more often than not, but soon became a member of Constanzo's fast-growing cult. Okay, so when you say results, what are we talking about? Like, I want to find love. I want success yeah. in business. Just anything like that. I'll get into, I'll get okay. into three very specific examples right now. Awesome. One early client who became a follower was a real estate broker named Francisco. Francisco was nearly broke, so he went to Constanzo for advice. And seemingly against reason, Constanzo told him to put all the money he had into a seemingly worthless piece of property in downtown Mexico City. Desperate, the client did what he was told, having no idea how this could possibly help. But six months later, on September 15th, 1985, an earthquake charting 8.1 on the Richter scale devastated Mexico City, killing as many as 45,000 people. Holy hell. Adolfo's client, however, came out ahead. The Mexican government, looking to replace one of its many destroyed federal buildings, bought the property that was supposedly worthless for a quarter of a million dollars. And after that, Francisco was a believer and joined the cult. Got so one. you can just see this guy pontificating about uh, how great the earthquake was for him in front of all the families mourning. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, it was, it's like how people are benefiting off of COVID and how they benefited yeah. off of 9-11. Yeah, and, of course. Yeah. yeah. How our very president said that he had the tallest building after the World Trade Center was yeah. fucking brought down. And he it's still the same dinged. Thing. He still did No, not. he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Another client in those early days was an aging model named Maria Guerra, who was a friend of Adolfo's mother. 
She was 37 and nearing the end of her modeling career. I'm so stupid. I was like, oh, she must be in her 60s. That's right. You said model. I forgot. 37 <laughs> is like, that is it. Are you Yikes. still alive, Crypt Keeper? Yeah. What's going on? Well, no, we're yeah, talking yeah. about in the middle world of uh, porn actresses about how like when you're 30, you can't be like a barely legal anymore, but you're not quite yet at MILF, it's which tough. is why you start playing nurses. That's when it's really <laughs> it's going into the like the civil servant world of porn. Right, essential workers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this woman, she was desperate enough to change her life around that she racked up a bill totaling six grand at Adolfo's magic shop. Eventually, Adolfo cast a complex spell called a cambio de cabeza, which translates literally as change of head. He said that her ruling orisha, essentially the god who held influence over her life, had turned on her. And oh. if she wanted her life to change, that orisha needed to be cast out. I can't deal with these oversensitive, needy gods. You're going to turn on me? That You're going to fucking turn on me? That's all of Palo Mayombe, though. Oh. It's all that kind of shit. You have to keep all of these things happy. At all times? At all times. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's very needy. happy God, happy life? I guess so. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that is a part of the success in this stuff, is that you're constantly keeping the gods happy. You're constantly doing whatever you have to do. So therefore, you are constantly focused on your goals. Yes. You're constantly focused on what you want. So okay. that might be part of how it works. That makes sense. I guess from a cult perspective, they wanted to make Charlie happy, didn't yep. they? Yeah. Not even in the cult. Like I'm talking about just someone who practices Santeria or Palomayamba or something sure. like that. Like no, it's fucking constant, constant focusing. That's right. why at its most practical, magical thinking, the, the what this shows is it really is just about keeping you focused on what it is you're trying to get instead yeah. of being distracted. Yeah. yeah that's so why we case. worship Adderall here in this country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Adolfo sacrificed 12 animals, goats, chickens, cats, and turtles over a series oh, of weeks. Yeah, it's, it's why a bad the cats? Mix. Why the cats and the turtles? I why guess the, the goats. Get all of them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You gotta You're get horrible. Get horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was an op, and he offered their hearts as a sacrifice to Maria's fickle god. After the last sacrifice, however, Adolfo said, your name is Carla now. Or at least, if you want your luck to change, your name will be Carla. And so, Maria became Carla. And even though her modeling career didn't turn around, her quote-unquote head did change. And she found a piece with the end of her modeling career that was deep enough where Constanzo gained another follower. Got one. Did she get a freaking smoker's voice? Did she start wearing nothing but flowy dresses? Carla? <laughs> but You're going to change my name to Carla and expect things to get better? How many times models are told to just change every single thing around them and then they, they literally just have to do it and they just say, that's a part of the business. He said, I talked to a photographer and he said, it'd be great if you didn't have any hands. So I just went and I chopped off my hands. Oh, it's that was so terrible season. That we're, we're doing hands again this season. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you also got to think like it, in the Mexican accent, Carla is a much prettier name than it is in, say, like a Tennessee accent. Carla. <laughs> but the next client was not interested in peace. Instead, this client wanted revenge. Also, if your name is Carla, it's a beautiful name and we love you very much. <laughs> Thank you for covering that. Yes. Well, you don't want to piss off a Carla. No, because no, no, that, that no, smoker's no. cough comes after you. I know. They will no. throw a bowling ball out of the skylight in their car at you <laughs> if you fuck with a Carla. 
Of Carla course. Homolka. We'll talk about her in the future. Okay. Love a Carla. Now, his next client was Damiana. Damiana was a drag queen on the local scene, and a club owner had refused to pay for a performance, and had sent hired goons after Damiana after she had demanded her fucking money. Give her the money! And so, Damiana wanted the beating she received from the goons to come back on that club owner tenfold. So, for 500 bucks, Constanzo made a statue of the trickster god Elagua out of a coconut and had Damiana write the name of her enemy three times on a piece of paper. Constanzo then dunked the paper in chicken blood and stuffed it into the coconut statue. Then, he had Damiana write the name of the club owner three times on another piece of paper. That one was stuffed inside a doll, along with a chicken head soaked in blood. And Damiana was then ordered to bury the doll in a fresh grave. After she'd done that, Constanzo took the body of the dead chicken whose head Damiana had buried and placed it on the doorstep of the club owner's home, along with a series of threatening letters written in blood. And within Hmm. a month, the club owner was dead from a heart attack. Whoa. I mean, it didn't help his fucking blood pressure. Definitely That's not. fucking certain. Because think about that shit just showing up on your doorstep. You know yeah. that it's bad. It's bad news. Can't be good. You just mm-hmm. got this like severed fucking chicken body all smeared with blood. And you have to be like, well, did I order that? Yeah. Uh, honestly, this is some crazy delivery. I, I, I honestly wish they had cooked these wings. Yeah, <laughs> it would be better. Now, even though. Damiana, Francisco, and Carla were now a part of the cult. The inner circle was still Omar, Martin, the bodyguard, and Jorge, a.k.a. Dr. Hindu. So, with a solid crew at his disposal, Adolfo Constanzo finally got to the business of making his own Nganga in 1985. Wow, he really did wait a long time. Well, he Mm -hmm. truly was training up. He so he, I mean, he's all, I mean, to be fair, when it comes to cult leaders, sometimes they don't buy their own bullshit, but he really did. Oh, Adolfo Constanzo was a, he knew that he was a wizard and he believed it entirely. Yeah. And they, I know that he did, he conned the cartels, as we'll see. Ooh, that is freaking ballsy. Yeah. Once you start <laughs> getting into building your own Nganga, the level of commitment that it takes just to do it. Just the practice of it is intense. It takes a long time, and you slowly but surely build this. So this shows the fact that he took it on. He now understood. He's like, okay, it's now time for me to acquire true power. Mm. For ingredients, Adolfo, Martin, Omar, and Jorge went to a fresh grave, which they considered fresh being less than a year old, and they dug up a body. They stole the skull, the tibias, the toes, the ribs, and the fingers. Because in the tradition of the Nganga, these body parts would give the cauldron intelligence, spirit, and soul, and would also give the spirit that would one day inhabit the cauldron the ability to walk and grasp things. Wow. Because the body is just a conduit for another intelligence. Mm-hmm. Now, to practice their dark magic, they needed the body of someone who had died violently, either a murder or accident victim. Well, there's no way they're going to find that in Mexico. Everybody <laughs> dies of old age. Most of the time, yeah. and, and a lot of times, it's... It, Falling asleep and Falling smiling. Asleep. Yeah, but yeah. having a good time. Oh, I hate too much. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. That's how people die. Conversely, they could also use someone who had lived violently, either a criminal or an evil witch. But to make the most powerful Nganga possible, at least when it came to evil purpose, the best body to use would be that of someone who had both lived violently 
and died violently. And that was the type of person Adolfo ended up using. Fucking 27 Club, man. Billy the Kid. I don't know if the 20, I don't think Jimi Hendrix died or lived violently. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's how they died. That yeah, would be cool, any, though. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah I, Kurt Cobain died violently, but all the rest Did, of them just kind of either choked on their own vomit or, or drowned. Do I you could think? see Jim Morrison living the most violent after 18 tequila sunrises. I could see him, <laughs> I could see him shaking up a few places. But I could see like Sammy Hagar having his Nganga like Phil with all sorts of different like, you got some margarita mix. God. In there, you got fucking just like some dude in there that just gave him the fucking guitar skills. That'd be cool to have oh, an Ngongo with so Jimi Hendrix in there because then you just fucking uh, playing with all the interference and man, everybody's hanging out and fucking liking your music and shit. Absolutely, that'd be cool. Yeah, definitely would be different if we were talented with music, then we could look like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we're not just chasing that dragon. Yeah, sure, sure. So after taking the body. They left a small stack of pennies and a headless chicken at the graveside, a paltry payment to the spirits for a body taken from what was supposed to be its final resting place. They they shorted the spirit? Just to get some... Well, I mean, that that was kind of the going rate in the yeah. spirit world. Stack okay. of pennies and a headless chicken. It's right. symbolic. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Yeah, I mean, because... Yeah, I throw even a buck if you, in. I throw just one George Washington <laughs> in there. I, I mean, even me- if you left him a 50, they're not going to be able to spend it. It's all symbolic. Yeah, man. And these, these, and these corpses are working for tips. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so, with the human remains in their possession, the ritual was performed at an altar in Constanzo's apartment in what is essentially the Mexico City equivalent of Chelsea in Manhattan, or the Castro District in San Francisco. Oh, fun. It's a fun social... Zona Rosa is a fun social district. I'd you, love to go. You have to walk into one apartment mid this or mid uh, Jeffrey Dahmer making somebody a zombie. Who do you... What do you want to walk in on? I mean, this one, because at least Adolfo Gonzalo could do something for me. Jeffrey Dahmer would just be like, just trying to make me dance and make me drink all the schlitz with him. And, don't do and, it. Don't drink the schlitz. I don't want to, and I don't like fish. No. I don't like looking at fish. Okay. I think fish are kind of boring. I think boring, fucking, it's a boring pet. Well, it's a weird pet. Yeah. Now, in order for the spirit to take possession of and fuel the Nganga, it first had to take possession of Adolfo. Because if a spirit does not give its permission, then the magic is spoiled and the magician has to try again with someone else. Oh. So his followers laid out Constanzo and covered him in a white sheet as if he was being laid out for burial. Then one of the followers placed seven heaps of gunpowder on a knife and held it above a candle, waiting. Suddenly, Constanzo's face contorted and turned red. His body became rigid. The veins in his neck and arms swelled, and he clenched his fists so hard that blood began appearing underneath his fingernails. Ooh! The dead man's spirit was taking hold, moving from the skull to Constanzo himself. When it became clear that the spirit had possessed their padrino, Omar asked the all-important question. Do you agree? To work for El Padrino, to live in his Ninganga, and to serve him as your master. Omar later said that the voice that replied was unlike anything he'd ever heard. Something akin to, as Edward Humes wrote, a wind blowing over tombstones, a rustle of faded funeral wreaths, a voice no living thing should have. Finally, it replied, Yes, I will serve. It then issued a stifled bark which Omar said sounded like a laugh coming from a mouth filled with soil. The gunpowder on the knife then ignited, and Constanzo snapped out of the trance, successful in his negotiations with the spirit. 
All right, they did it. That's the art of the deal. <laughs> That's fi- art of the deal. I love that final chapter they added on. How to have a demon? Have, how to have a demonic uh, spirit possess you? Although I guess this is not a. Is this a demonic spirit or this is just? Uh, there's there's no dem- there, there's, there's no like demon there's no demonic or uh, good. There's no good, no evil. There, it just is. Okay, as fire, things it can both cook and destroy. It can. Mm. It can indeed. After that, it came time to construct the Nganga itself. They had to get physical. They threw in the spirit's earthly remains along with coins for payment, cemetery dirt, roasted turtle, railroad spikes, a goat's head, deer antlers, peppers, spices, garlic, scorpions, coconut shells, and a boiled black cat. Then they covered the whole thing in chicken blood. I tell you, up in Rochester, that's what we call a garbage plate. <laughs> that's a garbage plate. <laughs> um, I don't know. Why do they have the uh, railroad spikes in there? Uh, railroad spikes because the iron, that is one thing. And also, uh, they, they all have specific... They have all have specific uses, and I don't right. know all of them. I know that the antlers, they view that as sort of like the speaking point. A lot of times what they'll do with antlers is that they are put on top of the Nganga. The Nganga is a giant cast iron pot mm-hmm. that has all of these things hanging out of it. And then you take the horns oftentimes, and you'd, you'd leave, you'd, if you have to leave the Nganga, you'd take the horns with you, and it's like a little walkie-talkie for the Nganga. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then at the center of the cauldron, they placed 28 sticks, or palos, palo mayombe. And those sticks were taken from a variety of trees, which Constanzo said had been asked permission and given payment for the use of their branches. Everything must be asked permission. What if it said no? You You got to go to another tree. Did they ever say no? (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do. Yep. I don't know how they say no. I think it's like the ants. It just goes like... No. I love the ants. Leave them alone. (laughs) Once the Palos were in place, the cauldron was finally a proper home for the spirit, which which the spirit had now become what is known as an Enkisi. From then on, Constanzo had to bargain with, trick, or bribe his Enkisi with money, blood, or sacrifices. And in return, the Enkisi would empower Constanzo's spells and travel the world for him, committing good, or most often, evil. Evil. So what's important in this is that the priest himself holds no power. The priest is a conduit for the spirit. The spirit is his power. Okay. So what he does is he's just a messenger. But eventually, what we're going to see is Adolfo Constanzo starts meshing those two together. Mm -hmm. It's like Scott Stapp and the band Creed. The lyrics come to him. He's a conduit for that kind of emotional genius. Yes. 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 For the the truth. Whatever medium Scott Stapp speaks to, I would love to see the font. The font of illumination. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to Ngongas, each one is built for a specific purpose. Most are built with good intentions, healing and helping. But Constanzo's Nganga was created to inflict curses, sickness, death, and misfortune. Goth Nganga. Oh, very goth, very goth. (laughs) And so, the day after its creation, Constanzo sprayed the Nganga with rum and cigar smoke and offered the blood from a hen and a rooster. He then reached in and grabbed the human tibia and the antler so he could physically interact with the spirit and bring it under his control. And once he did that, Constanzo gave the Inquisi its first assignment. Protect his cult, make them rich, and bring them more followers. And sure enough, 
Within a year, Constanzo had made enough money to buy a new condo in an upscale downtown neighborhood, and the followers had kept coming the whole time. He instinctively knew that the money in cults is in real estate. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely. Look at McDonald's for crying out loud, the biggest cult of all time. Yeah, that's right. In a weird uh, way. You like yeah. do you, but you are an adherent. No, I actually I no, I only got into McDonald's once Uber Eats once they started delivering it, now I have since stopped. Well, I was just excited about getting it delivered. <laughs> but then it really makes you feel sick and you don't even yeah. feel full. And I just, yeah. yeah. However, even though Adolfo Constanzo's new apartment was immaculately clean, there was one room filled with death and rot in every home that Adolfo owned that only he and his followers were allowed to enter. That was El Cuarto de los Muertos or <laughs> The Room of the dead. Yes. Cool. Fucking good name for a movie, dude. It sounds so much better than like stinky room. Because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Cool. It was a very stinky room. But he yeah. kept it clean. So his mother obviously was mentally ill, right? Oh, yeah. So but yeah. so he was able to like, well, he was able to uh, sort of quarter off one area, uh, which must be a mental thing as well. I think as a good wizard, he understood compartmentalization. Yeah. And yeah. that he knew that he wanted to make that space, it's sacred space. It would hold more power. Almost like Ed Gein in his mother's bedroom, I suppose. I, I, exactly mm-hmm. like that. And I, yeah. Or like when they say you shouldn't work in bed. Like you shouldn't work or do anything besides like have sex or go to sleep in your bedroom. What if that is work for you? <laughs> Whoa. Well, it's different if there's cameras in there. So yeah. yeah. Yes, indeed. But being in a more fashionable neighborhood meant more fashionable followers. And in 1986, Constanzo played magician to a Mexican pop singer named Oscar Ati, whose career was on a slow downward spiral. Mm. It had been three years since Oscar's last hit, Fotografia, which is it's pretty good. I like it. And Oscar told these troubles to Adolfo's right-hand man, Omar, all at a bar in Zona Rosa. And after hearing all this, Omar told Ati that he knew a man who could help. So Omar brought Ati to a meeting at the Mexican equivalent of a Denny's, a place called Veeps, which also happened to be Constanzo's and therefore the cult's favorite place to eat in all of Mexico City. Well, this just shows you how susceptible it is when you're on the way down. You look at C.C. DeVille from Poison. It's very possible he could have gotten into this group as well. He was very low for a time when he gained <laughs> all that weight. But there is nothing sadder than a musician who hasn't had a hit in three years. And you know he's hammered at this bar. Oh, he's de- no. desperate. Perfect. Perfect. Desperate. And a slow descent, a slow downward spiral, it's actually kind of relaxing. <laughs> it's like coming down, like, you know, when you drive if up you a hill. If you have a base, though, but if, you, if it really is a descent, like, hopefully you have a base where it's like, yeah, I'm not as famous as I used to be, but I still have my, I have my nest yeah, yeah, egg. The, the base is just, it's pure degradation and homelessness. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow. Well, uh, Oscar Athe was, uh, he was one of those pop stars. He very much worked off of his looks, but his hair was thinning. Uh, people Yuck. weren't responding to him <laughs> as much. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Hey, live by the hair, die by the hair, my friend. No! <laughs> no! Henry is disappearing like Marty McFly in the photograph. Help me! I exist! So after Adolfo and Oscar spoke over a meal of burgers and fries, because this is yet another fucking cult that runs off of burgers. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Burgers are an amazing... You get everything you need. It helps. It brings communities together. Yes, it does. Constanzo said that he'd perform Olympias, or a cleaning on a thief for $5,000. But when a thief said that he couldn't afford $5,000... Constanzo said, you know what? I like you. I'll do it for free. Whoa. All you got to do 
is bring me more customers. He turned him into a recruiter. Damn, this is what the military does when you can't afford to go to college. Yep. (laughs) Now later, when the cult's more gruesome crimes came to light, Oscar said that while he knew nothing about all of the dark shit... He even he fully admitted to benefiting from a jump start in his career after the ritual. He's like, yeah, they did some fucked up stuff. I didn't know about any of that, but that shit worked. Like a true performer, he knew to close his eyes to the secret of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the money's coming from. Money? Where does that come from? <laughs> and you know, Oscar Athead, he kept up his end of the bargain. He brought Constanzo celebrity clients. He brought him actress and author Imra Serrano, telenovela star Lucia Mendez, and Alfred Palacios, hairstylist to the stars. Cool. When are people going to realize celebrities are shallow beasts just wanting to be filled by a philosophy that isn't theirs? I think they do, and that's why they like them. Yeah. Before long, Constanzo had even developed a literal magical menu with prices that were commensurate to the value of the animal sacrificed, and therefore the power of the ritual requested. What? And and you can see here, the rub and tug will just be $10. (laughs) That's just a flat fee. (laughs) Roosters could be had cheap at six bucks, and a goat was similarly not too bad at 30. But the prices started to rise with boa constrictors. That was 450 if you wanted to sacrifice one of those. And at the top level, you had zebras. That was 1100. Or a lion cub. $3,100. But it's about the power of the lion's blood. Yeah, and also about how expensive it is to buy a fucking lion. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of overhead. overhead. (laughs) I mean, it's just how much money it costs to fucking buy the animal. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I don't know. All right. Now, once Constanzo started getting a little celebrity shine, it wasn't long before he got the attention of the people who would become his best customers and would introduce him into a world of violence heretofore unknown to the cult. Drug traffickers. Whoa! And that's where we'll pick back up for part two of Adolfo Constanzo. Adolfo Constanzo, this part one. Shit is about to pop off immediately. What we will see next week. These this episode is going to be so fucking drenched in blood because this is when it really starts to go. Adolfo Constanzo, he he understands that in order to control a group of murderers, you have to be alpha murderer right. and you have to make everybody else very scared of you and he Oof. fits that role he goes from playboy fashionable wizard to the stars to a commandant of a death cult in like a year yeah. damn all right well we will cover the nitty-gritty uh next week this just lays the groundwork absolutely fast uh, fascinating great job on sort of i know bullet pointing the religion and i'm sure there's much more to it so if you want to side st- uh, email us at side stories side stories lpotl at gmail.com i know we do have some theologians that listen to us if you want to shoot any information our way please do please do i love i love getting more information i'd love to speak but to somebody who knows more about paulo mayombe absolutely love, it's highly interesting yeah absolutely and uh uh, yeah, I uh, hope everyone is doing all right out there. Uh, obviously, these episodes are forever, but we are we are in an interesting week here for America. Oh, it's very so difficult. Hopefully, everyone is doing uh, doing all right and uh, yeah. staying sane. And we are just keeping it. It's, keeping this is it us, our version of keeping it spooky. We got Halloween one last good weekend yes. before everything could be possibly ruined. We're going to see how this next week goes. But, but you know, we're here. We're not stopping fucking doing shows no matter what. We so will fucking continue. country could be on fire, and we're still going to be doing shows because that's the only thing we know how to do. 
and it's Apocalypse Radio. Absolutely. And of course, this Saturday we will be on uh, we will be on the Twitch. So check that out. Yes, we have this uh, Saturday night starting at 5 p.m. Pacific. We have on twitch.tv slash last podcast network. We'll be haunting your house. Woo! And all of us are going to be there. Every host from LPN is going to be there having a good old time celebrating yes. Halloween together. And it's all for a good cause. We're doing it for Black Lives Matter. And we are raising money for March of Dimes. Awesome. So there's, we are very excited. Hopefully you can be there. Spend Halloween with us because... That's we're you all we have. That's all we have. Um, all right, everyone. Uh, hail yourselves and thank you all so much for supporting the show. Hail, sweet Satan. On Helgeen. Magustalations, everybody. Hail me. Next week we'll be covered in blood. Next week we'll be doused in blood. Woo! This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Yeah!